Hello, hello, welcome back. Uh, OTB podcast, season three, episode nine. I remembered this time. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to our our listeners. Um, hello, if you're new, my name is Tom, uh, colloquially known as Tommy Dyer. Uh, Dyer is not my real surname, but we'll we'll work with that. Um, in the building we have as well. Yeah, Patrick's in the building today. What's going on, everyone? Otherwise known as Patrick. You're not going to say <laughs> Pat. Uh, Pat. All right. All right. All right. Otherwise known as P Money. Everybody knows this already. What's good, everybody? Hello. And we have Yo, it's Quirk in the building, aka El Choco, aka Slim Wednesday, aka Anna. Slap on something else chocolate related. <laughs> <laughs> but keep it PG. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but yeah, what's, what's going on, everyone? All good, man. All good. Um, so today. Um, we're just going to keep the conversation um, just lighthearted and we're just going to talk about how different art forms, um, like how they've impacted our lives um, and maybe give some specific examples as well. Uh, by art forms, we're talking about everything. So it could be um, music, whether just what you're listening to, streaming, what you've seen live, books you've read, uh, theatres you've gone to, uh, theatre productions you've gone to see, just stuff like that, just things that... Um, has touched you and, and, and resonated uh, with you. I'm happy to start off. If anyone wants to start off, though, feel free. But, you know. I've got to crack on. Got me, crack on, yeah? Yeah, yeah I want to hear from so, you first, actually. Um, I, I often ask, the, the guys know this, they talk about, um, I, I often ask about, oh, who's top five dead or alive? As in, like, your favourite musicians and stuff. Um, one of my favourite musicians has been, um, rest in peace, been Prince. Prince Rogers Nelson. Mm. And he came to London um, some years ago and he was doing these... You're even in purple light right now and I'm looking at you, man. Oh, it's mad it's actually, like, isn't it? It's mad purple, purple rain is just shining <laughs> on me. Right um, and he was doing this live show or set, sets of live shows in London, but it wasn't... Um, you couldn't go on the internet and get tickets. Mm. He'd just like call in a radio station and be like, hey, I'm going to be here today. Mm. Um, come down. And I remember it was a Sunday... And I think I heard it on Radio 1 or something. And it was like, our oh, Prince is going to be in London. Um, Shepherd's Bush 02, I believe it was. Um, and tickets are £70. And I was like, rah, like... I deliberated... This is while we, we were still at uni, actually. I think it was in my, my final year. Okay. And I was like, do I go? Because if I go, am I going to make it in time? Will I be able to get in? Mm-hmm. It's like £70 are a lot of money. But it's, it's a Prince, man. It's a Prince. 70 quid. I don't know when he's going to go, him. if he's going to go anytime soon. But I feel like at that stage, we weren't thinking he's going to go soon. Like, no, when, but when will, I passed, I will I see him? Will I see him? Will I ever get to see him? Because he hadn't come to London properly since, oh, was it 2007 or something? Where he did like 20 plus nights at the O2? Something oh, dumb right. like that? Yeah. 20 yeah. nights? 20, 21 nights at the O2. Mad. Yeah, yeah, which was actually a record. I think Michael was supposed to do more, but that obviously that never worked out because he passed by the time he was supposed to do his uh, sh- um, stuff at the O2. Yeah. So I went to, I went from uni, from Cambridge down to London. I got myself to Shepherd's Bush. I got myself sort of very back of the queue. Uh, I spoke to one of the security guards. I said, will I be able to get in? He said, yeah, you'll be okay. There's still space. We're just, we're counting you know, how many people are in the queue and think you can get in. I said, yes. Um, got in. Instead of paying £70 as advertised, I paid £10. That was just to get people who didn't want to come. 
to basically not come as a disincentive because some people didn't want to pay £70. Mm. If you really wanted to see Prince, you pay £70. But actually, he said, actually, no, I can't pay £10. So I paid £10 to see Prince, which is basically the cheapest concert I've been to. Um, sat up, my... saw him perform. Not going to lie, I cried. It touched my life. Because um, I heard him. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine the song that me. Yeah, what song was it? Um, I cried a couple actually. So I was at once. Like, not was just crying, bear crying, not bear crying. Balling, no, yeah, yeah. It's just a little. I had to have a tissue just to, just to dab the eyes. I should laugh, but I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Soak up the moisture. Yeah, basically, you need to soak up the moisture. But um, lay it out, man. Purple rain. Obviously, I cried at purple rain. That was like the bait one. He did a song called "The Beautiful Ones." Um, I cried at that. I think those two songs, I think, made probably made me not cry the most, but I was like, oh, rah, I'm actually seeing Prince live in the flesh. Mm. I never thought I'd get to see him. Um, I don't know why. I just I just didn't think he was going to come to London because he just, for some reason, didn't, he didn't like to come to London. Mm. Um, or at least I got that impression anyway. So it touched me in a very deep way. And to be honest, I haven't felt the need to go and see concerts after that. I have, mm. but I was like, listen, I've seen Prince. Who else is there for me to go and see? I've seen a legend. Mm-hmm. If you like Prince or not, Prince is a legend. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was my um or one of many touching experiences from seeing an artist uh, perform um, and it impact my life. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. what about you two, man? Um as far as like live music is concerned, I don't know if it's really as how much it's impacted my life, but definitely like the best show I've been to, um, it might have been like one of the first or so. Was when Nas and Damian Marley. Oh yeah, I heard that was cold. Yeah, it was mad. Like they, because obviously they had the the joint album that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, distant relatives. Distant right? relatives. Yeah, yeah, man. That's a... And um, the show itself was mad. I didn't really know what too much to expect because they said they're gonna have um, special guests. And because I hadn't been to the show before, I didn't know how they're gonna play it. But mm. where is it? Wembley. It was Wembley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. Like, big, big ass venue. And like it was so mad. I'll go into detail. Was it? Yeah. What is this? The old Wembley or the new one? Mm. A Wembley Arena. Oh, it's the Arena. Wembley Arena. Yeah, yeah Wembley okay. Arena. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. So like, I go there with one of my bro- not two of my brothers. In fact, um, Q was mad. Ended up getting in eventually, mm. and because we got there quite early, he's like just slowly, slowly starting to build up in it. So we managed to get pretty close to the front, maybe like five rows or so. Nice. Um, and then there's obviously like all the seating all around as well, and it was it was I don't know if it sold out, but it was near like near enough. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And what made it so banging is because in their own rights, both of them as artists are like ridiculous. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nas and Damien, their mm. catalogs are just nuts. <coughs> and they smacked it because they did um, all of their classics. So as individuals. Yeah. So yeah. Th- in fact, even before that, the opening acts, which was surprises, so Spragga Benz came out. And I really? Won't, I, won't, I won't pretend I'm like a big um, yeah. dance or whatever fan, but like Spragga Benz came out did like a 20 minute set. Then um, Erica Badu came out. Did Bruh. like a 40 minute set. So Bruh. her thing was like, it was like an Erica Badu show. Bruh. Prior That's to imaginal. even, do you know what I mean? So you have like an hour of like yeah, crazy yeah. performances prior to them even coming out. Like the main acts coming out. Yeah, yeah. Then Nas came through, did all of these, like Illmatic, like all the, all the classics in it. Mm. Then Damien came to you, did all these classics. Yeah. Welcome to Jamrat went, off differently. <laughs> bear rasters about. Bear <laughs> weed smoking the West, air. Fam. Yo, <laughs> bear weed smoke just being passed around. Like there was one babes actually with with locks. It was so mad because it just felt like a communal. You see, like sometimes people talk about live shows being like yeah, religious yeah, yeah. experiences. Mm, it was yeah. one of those things. Like mm, yeah. everyone was just like 
it was a collective experience, innit? And mm. there was one babes, like, I keep laughing about it, but like with my brethren, but Gills, he was um he was chilling whatever weather. This like buff light skin babes with um dreads in it. Wait, say that again. How buff? Buff <laughs> they're using it. Trust me, she was yeah, she was beautiful. And um Okay. So like Gills, she was like right next to Gills in it, and then she started like kind of leaning against him in it. So he's thinking, wrong about to get in, like this babe's on me. TTs, yeah. She was literally just using as like a like a headrest a little. Oh, <laughs> Uh, and when she when she like took, when she took his head off her head off sorry there was just like a big patch of sweat on his <laughs> on his t shirt oh, uh, that was hilarious but nah so yeah they did the classics <laughs> and they came out together and both did um like all the tunes on the album as yeah. well yeah and it was just I don't know man like like I said it was just a, a proper, proper proper felt like a spiritual experience because mm. it's my first live show as well one yeah. of the first ones. yeah yeah it just is one that sticks in my mind <laughs> yeah um. Yeah, man, that was, that was nuts. That's so, dope, man. That's one for me, I, I reckon. That album, I'm trying to remember, because I don't really remember anything other than um, Patience and As We Enter. I don't yeah, remember yeah. the other songs. I think those were the main singles that came out. Yeah. Sabali as well. But like, yeah. if you listen to it, it's one of those albums from beginning to end, you mm. can listen to the whole thing. And there's a debate around this, but Damien spun Nas as far as like rap's concerned. What, in general on the album? On the album, yeah. Even just on the rapping thing, even, no, but even Nas. like on patience itself, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Even sub, even like Sabali, I was like, right, it's Brother. yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Had, yeah. Yeah. Some of the that's, smartest, that, that song's yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the smartest dummies don't know the language of Egyptian, yeah, yeah, and a flag on moon. So, yeah, man, that was that was mad for me as well because Nas is like, he was up there as one of my favorites. The thing about Nas, yeah, he's like. I rate him so much, but he's not like an MC where I know bare of his lyrics, innit? Yeah. Mm. There's MCs I rate less that I can spit all the lyrics off my head and whatever. Mm. But he's just, I just hold him at such a high esteem as, yeah. a, as an MC. Yeah. But then when, and this is an argument that's been made before, like a lot of dancehall and reggae artists are actually better rappers than like hip hop artists. But, okay, yeah, well. That's, a, that's, that's something listen, that's been man. mentioned, innit? But, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I listen to some Bounty Killer. Oh, yeah, obviously, that's that's another thing. That's yeah, what Bounty I was Killer's a cold rapper. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's bare dons that are just, yeah. I was about to get hella controversial up in here, but we won't do that yet. Um, yeah, hip-hop and it's West Indian roots, but that's for another day, maybe. At least Graham, at least, I will say on that, at least Graham recognises this is West Indian roots. Though. I mean, yeah, you yeah. can't, man. When Frisco sounds like a Pentecostal yeah, yeah, pastor, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't deny it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> it's mad, though, because even related to that, I saw a video. Um, what, Vidge No, no, no. Because there was a video, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute still, but yeah. No, but someone, like, sliced together mm. um, a set where there was, this is like an old school dancehall set. Mm. And it's just in a packout room, there's Elephant Man, there's um, Beanie Man. Bear Dons when they were younger, innit? Mm. One in one room, just spitting, passing the mic, whatever, whatever. Mm. And then they had it with like a grime set where everyone's in a pack-up room. <laughs> Early days, innit? Like, yeah, yeah. free, whatever. Yeah. Just spitting. And like, <coughs> when it's next to each other, it's like, you can see so clearly mm. just how the culture's like, yeah. the yeah. same, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The yeah. same type of energy around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I found it really cool. Um, hmm, man, I've had... I feel like my experiences in music, they're not as conventional as, as yours have been. Like, not I'm not trying to sound like special. No, no, like but it's, it's personal. Like, it's like, like big big concerts like that. I've been to a couple, like, <coughs> fairly big concerts. Like, last year, I went to see um, Kendrick in Amsterdam. That was great. Like, Kendrick is one of my favourite artists, so it was just good to just, like, 
Yeah. Was that last year you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's damn really That was a damn tour, yeah. Okay. But he, he he performed a lot of his a lot of his older classics as well. Mm. I don't think he performed anything from um Section 80, but Good Kid Mad, Mad City was in there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he performed a few of um To Pimp a Butterfly as well. Um but yeah, the energy was good, man. Like I don't go to enough live shows, so maybe maybe that's what I'll do more of now, but the energy was just like obviously it was electric. Kendrick, like we was at the front, so yeah, like man, you could see like his the fact that his fingernails were clipped. That's how close. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, how close yeah, we were yeah. to the front. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't know, man. Like I wouldn't say that was the best concert I've been to because how can I put this? We was in Holland, innit? So first of all, man's not that tall, so. <laughs> Holland, if, if you don't tall. already, if you don't They're know Dutch, already, the Dutch, Dutch are tall. Yeah. Are the tallest nation per capita in the world. So that was a bit long, um, but it was also like, I don't know. I just wanted to be around my people when I was like listening to like Kendrick. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I want, but it wasn't. It wasn't a thing. Like, I still had a really good time. It was. It was. It was great. So what's man. the best concert or best gig you've been? To? Oh man, it doesn't even have to be like hip hop related because no, no, it's not, not be there. Not, it, so. um... <laughs> it's hard to say, man. I've had. Better experiences playing music, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like classical music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's when I've had like, like goosebump moments. Mm. And I think those moments will always live with me. Cause it's like when you're playing music and you're part of something, it it feels sometimes it feels better than I'm not even gonna say it feels like better than sex, because it's not that. It's like it feels better than being like passionately in love. Like mm. some like the way that I'm with music, it's like a drug. Like it, I, I can f- like if I listen to music that I like, like even just on my headphones now, yeah, I feel it physically, like sort of coursing through me. Yeah. So when you're playing that and like you know you've worked way for a while to like get violin. it perfect, you worked for a while to get it perfect with a group of like you know like eighty other people, hundred other people because yeah. these orchestras are big orchestras, like mm. sometimes hundred people. Um, it's incredible. Like we used to go on. So I used to play for um, this youth orchestra called the London School Symphony Orchestra. It's a very well respected youth orchestra. Um, it's one of the best <coughs> in the UK. And we used to play three times a year at the Barbican. Um, so that's like just to give an idea of the standard. But we used to go on tour as well. And it was like when we went on tour, like we'd go to like these like really sort of just like far flung places like in Italy, like these like random old medieval towns. Mm. And you just have like, you know, like just the locals coming out to listen to you. Yeah. Like it would be a big deal because it's like a small town. It's like, oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this this orchestra is touring. And I think in those kind of um, countries, especially like Italy, Spain, Portugal, it's not uncommon to have that. Like you yeah. have like touring orchestras and people will come and watch you. And it's like when you get it right, like when you and we also used to play with like professional musicians. Like, so like um, if you had like a guest like pianist or guest violinist, that person would be a professional. And yeah. These people are like like creme de la creme, like yeah. I remember, their levels. I remember seeing, um, I went into Radian years ago. Mm. I was in Berlin. I saw Sir Simon Rattle in the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra yeah, yeah. with Yo-Yo Ma as, yeah. the, as a pianist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, it's a very, very mad experience to see. Like, it's, um, yeah, very I'd, mad. Like, I, I obviously, I'm, I'm biased because I played classical music for as long <laughs> as I can remember. But... You know, if you're listening to this and you've never really listened to classical music, blah, 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 whatever, like, I feel like there is something out there for, like, anybody's taste. Like, I think a lot of the time people think of classical music as just, like, the, like, the bait, like, 
the Mozarts and the Beethovens and and obviously those I have a lot of respect for those guys and I really love that music as well. But classical music is it's actually uh, it's not the right term. Like it's a bit of a what's the word? Um, it's basically it's a bit class- of a misnomer to be honest. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. It's a bit of a misnomer because classical refers to a specific time yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Classical music So it's like There's <coughs> classical music But also there's a classical period Of classical music yeah. okay. My favourite era of classical music Is the romantic era So it's the um, Mid way. to late 19th century so <laughs> Yeah I'm a sweet boy Yeah what can I say um, That's when I feel like that's like The sweet spot in between Because classical music Can be quite formulaic It's like okay You do this For a few bars And, then start, and it's like quite Not repetitive But it's very formulaic And it follows a pattern yeah. Once you get into the romantic era It's a lot more like It's like Listening to like a ballad poem or something. It's yeah. not. It's not like set. You know. It's it's a lot more. So who are like a lot the more leading specific. leading composers of that time? Uh, for me, um, Brahms, Rachmaninoff. I like the the Russians. Tchaikovsky as well. Um, who else? I like Berlioz. Um, Grieg as well. Although I don't. I don't know if he. He's a great, but like. I don't know, maybe a classical fiction artist will probably say something different, but I don't know if he's as prolific as the guys that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, so Greek's from Norway. And one thing I like about music as well is that you can, like when you can hear where the music is from, yeah. in any kind of genre of music, that's what I love. Like when like the old, part of the reason why like hip hop nowadays, like I feel bad that the East Coast doesn't have its sound anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I missed like back in the day when you used to listen to like, you know, your Nazis and, and well, them guys there. It, was. it just it just sounded like production. New York. Yeah. Yeah. You knew what it was. Like it, and gray and, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. West I think West Coast still has that vibe. Like yeah, when you listen yeah. to West Coast rappers, you you can hear the yeah. sun. Yeah, yeah. You can hear the palm trees. But you can do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um you've got a couple of artists in New York that are trying to hold it down like Dave East and and um a hoodie with a boogie and yeah, but that. even then it's still jumping the same type like yeah, southern true, trap, true, trap yeah, beats, isn't it? And I think okay, that's that's a testament I think to southern to southern hip hop. Like oh, yeah. people, I think people underestimate how um, influential southern hip hop has been to hip hop in general, mm. to the point where I think southern hip hop is is where hip hop is where the boundaries are pushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. East Coast is very like it has its sound and it's like this is what we do. West yeah. Coast is very similar as well. Like it has like when it came on the scene, like in the early late eighties, early nineties, when West Coast started to have their sound, it was yeah. revolutionary at the time. But the South has always, always pushed the button. It's yeah, always yeah. pushed it forward. But anyway, bring it back to classical music. So yeah, man, I've I remember like there's been times when <coughs> I'm just like looking at like all the all my colleagues around me and we're playing this thing, and like the joy it brings to people listening. And then obviously like you're just in the middle of it. Like you're creating the music, but also listening and enjoying it as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, just incredible, man. It's, I can't really describe the experience. Um, yeah, it's, it's mad. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wonder what it is about music that just speaks to us as human beings so much. Because like, we're, we're the only, as far as I know, animals that read. That said, I've seen videos and stuff of like- Cats, I've seen cats enjoying yeah. music. I've seen, I've seen I saw I've seen... Cockatoo enjoying music this week. Mm. I saw Cockatoo getting it down to, I can't remember, some Southern some southern rapper, like Cockatoo was like getting it in. I was, trying well, to find like, I've seen yeah. horses dancing to Fleetwood Mac. Like, <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. I don't, yeah, I don't, honestly, I think music is, is universal. Like, yeah. if you have the ability to like, um, Take in sound. I think yeah, you can you can you can appreciate music. And you know, um, Beethoven was 
either he was very deaf or like deaf. No, yeah. I think he was, he was deaf. deaf. I think, yeah. Completely. And imagine you're writing music and you're deaf. So how like he, he could feel the vibrations the vibration. of the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. Like if you have any way of interpreting sound, then I think yeah, music, music can be a gratifying experience. Um, for me personally, I think music says things that sometimes our heart is not able to understand. That sounds very romantic of me, but no, that's why I mean? R and B sells a lot. Mm, mm. That's it. A lot, I mean, yeah, why, why is a lot of music like anyway stuff that has lyrics in it? Anyway, like mm. why is you know most of it centered around love, heartbreak, mm. all of this stuff? Mm. Why is it when you go to a club, yeah? you hear a song by Usher or Troy songs and you'll see all the girls singing along to him. Well, I'm singing along as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but they're singing along too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Did you lot ever do that thing when you like, when a slow jam comes on, yeah, and you're in the car and you just look out the window and it's raining and you're just yeah. like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in that music. journeys or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like music <laughs> does speak. Touches the soul, you yeah, get me, man? It, it speaks for us when we're not able to put it into words. Touches the soul. And you know, another thing, um, so one thing that is banded about a lot, I'm not, well, I, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, there's some truth to it, but um, the violin is a very popular instrument for people to learn. It's, I think it's probably the most popular in classical instrument for people to learn. Mm. And um, apparently that's because the sound that it's able to make, create, i.e. the different types of sound, yeah. Um, there's no other instrument ca that can get as close to the human voice as the violin. The different sounds that it's able to make, like really? yeah, yeah, wow. Because you can do so much with it. Like you can make it sound like joyful. You can make it sound like it's like in agonizing pain. You can make it sound angry. You can, mm. do, you, do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, so yeah, man. I was, I was. this with four cool. strings? That's mad. Listen, man. If like if you listen to a top violinist play, like I had to. I remember I was walking through the tube a couple of weeks ago after the Spotify. The, yeah, we had a chat with Spotify. That's, I mean, I'm not am I baiting anything up anyway. Nah, nah, um, after the Spotify talk, um, and I was I said bye to Bilan and I was just on my way down to the Victoria line, and there was a violinist in the station, and I was just gonna continue walking because I had things to do that day. But the way that he was making that violin sing, I had to I stopped and I was just like I obviously dropped a bit of money in his in his case and whatever, and I just stayed there for about 10, 15 minutes just really? listening to him, and then we just had a nice chat afterwards. Um, but yeah, man, yeah. How about um, books? Is there are there any books that you've you've read or anything that you've kind of in the written form that you've you've read that's like changed the way you think or feel, oh, like in a in a drastic <coughs> way? Like things fall apart. That's something that, that springs to mind straight away. Chinua mm. Um I read that just after uni, I think. Um, and um, half of a yellow sun as well. I, I think, was going to say Americana. Actually, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't read Americana yet. Americana was one of those books that definitely. Uh, I don't know. It reached out to me in a sort of very like. Um, shout out the Nigerian um, writers, by the way. We both yeah, just shout out, shout out Auntie there, innit? And yeah, Uncle Uncle Achebe as well, innit? But um, it's like a weird love story, innit? And and uh, it's just it pulls on the heartstrings that Americana. I don't want to give the, the story away because if ever anybody's read it, you know exactly what I mean. And if you haven't read it, mm. <coughs> please go and read it. But mm. yeah, like it's it's one of those books that I find very hard to, I found very hard to put down. Mm. Um, Homegoing, if anyone's read that. Who's that by? Mayaji Yassi. Okay. Um, oh, is that the yeah. one kind of like chasing a, the story from? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just chasing, chasing um, a story from... 
from back home in Ghana mm. and kind of when like, slavery was occurring in Ghana and it just chases... Um, um, it basically starts off from like two relatives, if you will. Mm. And then they chase the story all the way down. That's That that book t- um, tugs on the heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Again, not in the same way Americana did. Mm. Um, because Americana is still... It's light-hearted, but it still addresses a lot of difficult mm. issues about yeah. the practicalities and realities of love and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Homegoing, as a book, is very sad because you see how like situations beyond someone's control can change someone's destiny and change the destiny of generations going forward, mm. um, which is very mad. So the way the book was thought about and constructed was actually very, very, very mad. So mm. yeah, mm. it was a, mm. a book which, which touched me. But yeah, I think whereas like music connects with you in a different way, mm. we're quite... Because you're passive, not passive, but because you're taking in what's coming your way, mm. like... When you go to a gig and you look at what the you look at like what the band is doing, if you're seeing a live band mm. and you're looking at what the main artist is doing, mm. and you like you can see them trying to like connect with you. I saw uh Maxwell and Mary J. Blige, they did a joint concert at the O2, which is actually very mad because mm. I like both artists a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, Mary J. Blige was going through a divorce, so she was going mad. <laughs> Like, and you know how Mary J. Blige would like, heartbreak makes her stuff fire, innit? Yeah, like, yeah, which is yeah. kind of sad, really. Like, because she gives us happiness by, you know, her not having any. And Maxwell's just, Maxwell's cold, innit? So, we saw him in Paris as well, innit? He was, oh, yeah, Afro Punk. He was cold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Damien Marley was there as well. Yeah, Damien yeah. Marley was cold as well. Yeah. Um, whereas books, like, everybody's perception of a book is going to be slightly different because it's up to our imaginations to create the landscape as well. Do you mm, know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah. So we go yeah. to a concert, we see the same thing and we hear the same thing. Well, roughly, you know, we we see, we hear the same thing. Mm. We can potentially feel the same thing. Mm, what the mm. artist wants to put in our direction. But with a book um, or even with a play, like a theatre production, mm, it's, very up, mm. it's very much up to the, the interpretation that we choose to give to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a really interesting point. So, mm. which is why people often talk about like, um, encouraging people that like, who are younger to spend time reading books as opposed to watching TV, just because the former is more active on the brain than is say like watching TV, which is, it can be quite a passive activity. Yeah. Because yeah. you're just yeah. taking it in. Yeah. And you can take in a lot of stuff, but whereas with a book, it's always causing your brain to go along as well. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I feel like, you, yeah, you, you kind of have to, not like, Fill in the in the gaps that the the writers left behind, but yeah. you the way that you create the the paint the picture in your mind is going to be different depending on what yeah. kind of person you are, and whatever. Yeah, mm. um, I've talked a lot about. So I don't know if you want to say something. But no, no, go on. Like in, when we've we've had previous episodes when we talked about like masculinity and mm. yeah, just being able, yeah, what that entails, right? And obviously we're going to have the live podcast mm. in which we kind of unpack that further mm. um, and I've mentioned in the past like I've like I don't know I haven't cried since I was like <sighs> I can't remember how old you said like nine you know yeah something crazy like that ten or something and um, other than that one experience kind of more recently but <coughs> outside of that right it's something that I don't it doesn't come naturally to me that's not how I kind of outwardly express yeah. um, emotion but then I read this book um, called A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl and he's talking about his experience 
um, basically in a, in a Nazi concentration camp. Mm. Yeah. Um, he was previously like a psychiatrist and he started using his own techniques to essentially stay sane. Like people were dying around him. Yeah. They were being worked like crazy hours per day, just mm. starvation, just so many yeah. mad things. And I read it, I ended up reading that book in like in one night and I, I yeah, it nearly brought me to tears just like yeah. how much someone can endure but still keep their mental stability. Yeah. Um, due to some type of belief in something that you can accomplish afterwards, like how that can keep you alive, essentially. And he mentions how, like, it was only when... You can tell the moment when someone's going to die. You can tell... He said, I can literally be in my room or my dorm, whatever, where other people live, and know who's going to die based on who has given up hope. Yeah. So when someone is, like, kind of... You can see it in their face where they've basically just like, yeah... I can't, I can't yeah, hold yeah, on yeah. anymore. Mm. A couple of days after they're dead, didn't it? So that that really touched me, man. That really touched me. Mm. And um, that's one, but that's kind of like changed my perspective as far as like having or the benefit of having dreams and having things that you aspire towards. Because yeah. mm. that can keep you going through like difficult times. Mm, mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one. Mm. I read a lot of really good books in uni. Um, and it's difficult to kind of <coughs> to, to sort of sum up like how they've all impacted me um they i think as as a collective they all kind of they i think they shifted the way that i thought about things mm. um so what kind of things did i read i read a lot of latin american literature like south american literature um oh okay so yeah they, they're coming to me now so kingdom of this world by alejo carpentier is a cuban writer um, white Cuban writer, but he wrote about the Haitian Revolution. Um, that is a fantastic book. I I invite everybody to read that book because you first of all, people should know about the Haitian Revolution. Like mm. it's the only um successful successful slave revolution or successful revolution um um enacted by enslaved people um in recorded human history. Yeah. Um and it's the first uh Black Republic in the Western yeah. Hemisphere, so it's 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 a very very important content matter, a uh, subject matter, but also um, the way that he incorporates magical realism in it. Mm. Yeah, it does kind of like sort of stop to make you think about like I always feel like reality in the West and reality outside of the West are actually different. Yeah. Um, what do I mean by that? Like the parameters of what 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 is possible mm. in the west and the parameters <laughs> outside of it is different um and in that book he 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 yeah he he paints that picture really well um so just to give you an idea like um he talks about how um the enslaved africans in haiti how they use their knowledge of um Food like herb, herbal remedies um spirituality and Knowing nature, knowing the environment, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't their um, their native environment, but yeah. it was similar to where they come from in West yeah, Africa, yeah. they were able to use that against their the European slave masters. I've, I think I've spoken about this before, um, but yeah, that is that is a great book. Um, obviously, um, there's Hundred Years of Solitude. I think that's just a fantastic book. Bro, I can't lie. You didn't that like book it. Com- I it's confusing, it. but it was so confusing because everyone to, has the, the same, same name. name. Like you, but the book that you had, did it have? Um, a family tree in it. I read it as an ebook. Okay, so like on my Kindle. What you need to do, well, I guess you, you've read it now. But so when I read it, 
in, in the edition that I had, it had a family tree at the beginning. So I okay, just kept on referring back to it. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like that has a lot to do with magical realism as well. I mean, that is like probably the most famous novel when it comes to magical realism, mm. which apparently was um, uh, um, a style or at least a school of um, uh, literary thought that was invented by uh, Afro-Colombian, not... I mean, everybody is sort of attributes it to um, Garcia Marquez, who wrote 100 Years of Solitude. Mm. Um, but apparently it's... Um, yeah, he owes his... He owes that to an Afro-Colombian. Um, what else? I read a lot of post-colonial literature as well. Um, it, it sort of broadened my understanding about what happened in uh, in Africa in like sort of around the time that all these nations were becoming independent and how a lot of it, we talk about how the Cold War was a, was, yeah, it was a, a war without any actual battles. The Cold War was fought in Africa. Like all of the um, liberation struggles the Soviet Union was on one side and the, and the West was on the other side. And yeah. actually, um, when I was in Cuba, actually, I spoke to a guy um, who fought in Angola's civil war. Mm -hmm. And he's a Cuban guy and he was sent over there by his government to help out. Um, um, I can't remember the factions in Angola now. It's, it's gone from my head. But yeah, I mean, he was, he was telling me some awful stuff, to be fair. Like, he was saying, yeah, how... Yeah, he had to... I'm not going to talk about it. It's just some, like... War in it, so yeah. it's horrible stuff. But yeah, that's one thing that sort of opened my eyes. Um, <coughs> reading a lot of like post-colonial literature, so um, stuff from Angola, Mozambique, um, and that's around the time when I was reading um, Chinua Achebe and and um, Chimamanda as well, because yeah. that's how I learned about the Nigerian civil war. I didn't know, I I'd only heard of Biafra. Yeah, um, I had I, I had no idea how devastating the civil war was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, it was. Um, the West had a massive stake in all these these um, these these um, people trying to liberate themselves from colonial oppression. Um, so yeah, that was very interesting. Um, then I think yeah, apart from that, I think the sort of the biggest sort of uh, uh, the biggest paradigm shift, maybe not paradigm shift. Um, the most influential sort of piece of art, I think, for me was um, the film City of God. Um, really? Yeah. I, when I say influential, I, I, it definitely changed my, my like, di not my direction in life, but it's why I got interested in Brazil in the very first yeah. place. I was 12 years old. I was on a plane back from the Caribbean and just watching an in-flight film. And yeah. I just saw this film called City of God. I was like, mm -hmm. what's this? Turned it on. Um, and for the first time, like I saw... It was it was just amazing to see like black faces on, yeah. on, on the screen and like... I'd not seen a film where there was that many like black faces like that before. And I'm not mm -hmm. talking like, I'm talking like, like children. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously they're speaking this language that to me was like, it sounded very beautiful. I was like, Oh, what is this like Portuguese? Like I, yeah. I, at that stage, I didn't even, I don't know if I knew that they spoke Portuguese in Brazil. Yeah. Um, and it was just from that moment, I think that I'd always like from then on, I'd always had like this interest in Brazil and, yeah. and, and going out there. But for me, it was just like seeing like these, these black faces in a film like this. Um, yeah, that really kind of, yeah, that sort of changed things to me. Banging film, man. Yeah, I still say he's one of my favorites, but yeah, and probably for similar reasons, to be honest. Mm. Like, I had never really got an insight into Brazil and what's like being, even being a black person in Brazil. Like, mm. for, at the time, I didn't know that Brazil had like such a huge, you know, African mm. Um, mm. descendant population. And mm. yeah, it really gave me insight into that. Yeah. 
we were talking about um, plays as well, right? You were talking about, um, you mentioned um, theatre, like, not too long ago. Um, and I just want to say, I saw um, Nine Night recently. Have you guys seen that? No. Nine Night. No, I don't think I have. Um, so it's about, um, it's about a British West Indian family. Uh, and um, the matriarch of the family, the grandmother, passes away. And then um, the play is basically like, it starts with her passing away and then mm. like um, the nine nights of mourning yeah. um, that take place yeah, yeah. Okay, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was that was incredible, man. Um, I was reduced to tears after watching that. It was like watching my own family. It was just really well done. Like they got everything spot on. But I think this is, there's something about seeing yourself. And I think this is part of the reason why City of God kind of spoke to me as well. Because... Obviously, I'm not Brazilian, although I do have like a weird affinity with the country, so I don't know what that is. But it was like I was able, like when you when you have a representation of yourself in something, and I think that's part of the reason why I was so interested in post-colonial African African literature yeah. and to an extent South American or Latin American literature, because it's like I I mean at uni I could have read like stuff from Spain, I could have read, do you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. that I mean I did read some of that, and yeah. it was interesting, but it did not appeal to me in the same way yeah, yeah. as mm -hmm. as um as art that where I could at least see an element of myself in it. Yeah. I think um, musically, like that's the same reason why even at the age of 26, like grime still has such a yeah. mm. deep part. Mm. Yeah. Like it plays yeah. a big part in my life and just the nostalgic effect as well. But even just like you said, the first time that you're hearing and seeing people that dress like you, look mm. like you, speak like you, mm. um, in contrast to that, I mean, prior to Channel U and stuff like that, we're only really seeing hip hop videos on MTV base, and mm. do you know what I mean? That's that's what you see as represent, representation someone, of black people. Someone showed me the other day the Frontline video by New Generals. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I used to I didn't spend a lot of time in Forest Gate, but I used to pass through Forest Gate a lot. Mm. I remember seeing this, seeing this thing, and I was like, "Who's it?" Well, I knew obviously I knew who it was. The double with the <laughs> infamous leather jacket in oh, the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A-Rex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, "Raw, this is yeah. a sick video." And I still remember, just I'm, you know, I haven't seen that video in maybe five, ten years. Mm. And the way that 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 video just took me back was just I I, I didn't think I'd have the nostalgia that I would have. Mm. I just thought, "Oh, whatever." But you're watching it, and you're like, "Raw, like it just blew me away." To be honest, Do you know, what I realized yeah. when I'm when I was away. Um, Two things, I, like I would, like Graham would come up on my music because it's yeah. just there in my plays, playlist and whatever. And I'm like, I'm not in London, or I'm not in the UK, I'm not in London. So it, I'm not seeing red buses. I'm not seeing the underground. And so like the sound didn't, it didn't like make sense. Didn't resonate it resonated. Yeah, right? yeah, it was like, yeah. it. and again, it goes back to what I was saying about, I love it when music sounds like where it's from. Yeah. And there's mm. something about Graham <coughs> that for me, it's just like, this is like, London or at least this is like urban UK do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean like 100. this is um, and also in, uh, in Brazil like grime was starting to take off when I was there as well people were getting into grime like, really? in Brazil? yeah 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 oh, like apparently in the capital Brazilia that's where like like grime DJs are at their biggest but like I met a few grime DJs in Rio and like you know like they're sort of they're they're um, they're, they're not that well aware of like the golden era of grime, like yeah. between mm -hmm. like 2004, 2007, 2008, they they're more like they're getting into Stormzy and them and there and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was just it was just funny because I was just like, it didn't. I'm glad that they was appreciating it. Yeah, but like it was just like this stuff. Like I don't it's know. It's too warm there. It's too like just. Yeah. To be fair, like, to be fair, though, <laughs> to, to, to be fair, to be fair, 
one thing that I clocked was okay. So Rio, yeah, it's split like not split, but it has like two. It's split into like the north zone, south zone, and the west zone. Right, the north zone is where the majority of Rio's black population lives, and that's the furthest away from the beach. Right. Okay. And once you go up there. You haven't seen a, and people even dress differently. People like when you're in the south zone of Rio, people like dress like sort of beachy. Yeah, it feels yeah. a bit like California. Okay. <laughs> when you get further north in Rio, it feels like I mean it's still hot, so people you know they they're not wearing bare clothes and that, but like the way that people dress is like a lot more like gritty and a bit yeah, more urban. Yeah. So, and and obviously those are the kind of people that were like getting into grime. Mm-hmm. I remember before I moved to Brazil, um, one of my classes I used to teach. English to people and I got to teach like um, these teenagers like I got to have like one like sort of I guess like a masterclass with teenagers because um, this one school heard that I was in this city they were like oh there's a native English speaker here he's giving lessons to these like university students come to like there was like a special English school and teach our, our kids so I did that I like just gave a presentation about the UK and I just played them I think I've told you this before I played them um, Kano Science and Life right? yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was the way that like, the reactions were so telling. So yeah. like the white students were just a bit like, oh, this is, I don't know, man, this is a bit weird. This is... And the black students, their eyes lit up. Like they oh, were just like, sick. it was it was crazy. So that's I, mad. So I am sort of like, I guess I'm sort of contradicting myself because I'm saying like the sound has to, it, it doesn't quite make as much sense when you, when it's away from its its place of origin. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for certain people, like that, yeah. that that lived experience is not, you know, it's it's not something that's um specific to a given place. It's yeah. like it's like hip hop though, isn't it? Like we resonate yeah. to, to hip hop. This is true. Yeah, yeah in the US. Like yeah. I'm talking about the US, um, not just hip hop that's out the UK, because we know that's that's there too as well, isn't it? Mm. But <coughs> I'll hear something from Jay Z, Nas, even like a fifty cent or outcast. Or someone from the West Coast, like a Nipsey Hustle, shout out Nipsey. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll resonate like with some, not everything they have to say, because yeah. some of it is like very there. Like one of one of um, I was talking to a friend, and he was saying to me sometimes what he doesn't understand is like the NBA references that they have. But actually, because of a lot of NBA references I was hearing in hip hop as a kid, mm-hmm. I was watching NBA in the evening. I was staying up till mad hours of the night to understand what these guys were talking about. Yeah, and like. Well, these men talking about triple doubles and all of these things mm-hmm. and like postseason and all of these things here, mm-hmm. in it? So I never really, yeah, I never really, um, well, I, I, it caused me, it caused me to do something else and take action in it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, on that note, on that wonderful note, um, yeah, this has been a really lighthearted, um, episode. Um, just talking about different art forms and the impact. Um, it's had on our lives or not necessarily the impact but just like the way it's resonated with us mm. um, yeah I'm pretty sure for our listeners that you lot feel the same way or you might not um, let us know uh, if you like this episode or don't or just have any comments uh, tweet us um, you know where we're at OTB Podcast UK on Twitter um, OTB uh, Chats um, hashtag. hashtag OTB Chats yeah. Um, if you want to get and reach out to us, uh, email otbpodcastuk at gmail.com. Um, am I missing anything? Because I'm horrible at this plugin business. Oh, we got the Instagram. So it's, Instagram is podcast same. UK, same as the Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instagram yeah. is same as same as Twitter. But also, though, yeah, might as well. I can't just clutch. I say oh. <laughs> also, context, context. I say also, but apparently I sound. Anyway, leave it. No, um, no, explain, explain. All right, cool. So there was this thing. <laughs> what's it called on Twitter? Like the. 
the accent challenge. Accent challenge, right? And then Patrick must have added me saying how I pronounce also, A-L-S-O, as also, like A-U-S-O. And I clocked it myself. I was like, oh man, this is true. But I'm not. If you guys have certain book recommendations or music, whatever, that's like changed yeah. your life, definitely at us and like yeah, let us know about that as yeah, well because yeah. I'm always looking for new new things. To Plug like one book or one song or one film. Yeah, like, man. Yeah, man. Tom. What? I was saying to do it. Oh, me? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Plug what? Yeah, anything. One song, one film, one... Uh, okay, Quaker. album I'm going to plug uh, would be uh, Prince Purple Rain. And the movie as well. I did a movie Purple Rain. So actually check out the movie because the album is basically a soundtrack to it. So Purple Rain because it's just a cool like coming of age movie. Yeah. But... No, go for, go to, go to um, albums is a tough one, but it doesn't one, have to be an album. Anything, anything you want to plug. I think like music one, is okay. one. Yeah, but um, I'd probably say Dead Prez. Let's get free or okay. Blue and Exile. Um, what's I forgot the name of the album for the Blue and Exile one? Just slipped my mind. But um, those two just had like really profound effects on me mm. at the time. Stuff that I was replaying and replaying for like a good few months, or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. probably one of those two. Okay. Um, for me, um, like I said. The Kingdom of This World by Alejo Carpentier. Um, it's in translation, so you can read it. It's, it's a great novel. Uh, and yeah, I think that's it, really. I mean, City of God. Um, if you haven't seen that film by now, then you're slacking. Just just go and watch it. It's a great yeah, film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's it, guys. Sweet. Take care, guys.